Support for this podcast comes from CityCast Denver. CityCast Denver is the daily local podcast that tackles stuff you've been wondering about Denver. Would a Denver Olympics be a good thing? Will the cost of housing ever come back down to earth? Is Casa Bonita still Casa Bonita if the food is tasty? Each morning, CityCast Denver brings you the hidden gems and unexpected discussions you actually want to hear. Plus, a dose of local news to get you up to speed. Hosted by lifelong Denverite Bree Davies, every episode of CityCast Denver is the local conversation you won't want to miss. Made by Denverites, for Denverites. Find CityCast Denver on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase, powered by Youth on Record. I'm Lauren Francisco. And I'm Genevieve Glimp. We are recording all weekend at Mutiny Information Cafe on South Broadway with a number of artists who are performing at this year's festival. In this episode, we are joined by Lillian. Lillian is a folk singer-songwriter who has made her mark in multiple territories from Dallas to Phoenix, Portland to Los Angeles, and where we stand here in Denver. Lillian has gracefully woven her melodies into our airwaves. She shared the stage with Tennis, Griffith James, and Heavy Diamond Ring. So let's listen to your song, Hollow Bone. Been waiting for someone to save me For someone Tell me I'm worthy For someone that sees all the magic that I see And tell me it's okay that I'm not crazy For seeing it all For seeing it all For feeling Lillian, welcome to UMS and to our podcast. Oh, good to be here, y'all. So we just heard your song, Hollow Bone. Would you explain the inception of that song? In various indigenous traditions, a hollow bone is um, the work of shamanism, actually. I don't want to culturally appropriate that word or that work, but um, it's the art of doing enough self-work to hollow yourself out and your own stories so you can be a good listener for what the world needs or what the world wants from you. And I was actually able to come and see you perform last night and I really enjoyed it. And I think you have a really unique and beautiful voice. Um, So I was wondering, do you have anything that you do specifically to maintain your vocal health at all? Oh man. I never, I, I don't sound so great right now because I've had a the never ending sinus infection um, post COVID world. But um, yeah, I'm just now starting to get into that quite a bit more. Um, singing straws is something that I'm starting to discover. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you just literally sing and do exercises through very tiny, various sizes of straws. And yeah, and I recently just started seeing an ENT that's a specialist for vocal cords. So I've had my vocal cords scoped 
you know, they send you a very long tube up your nose and down to your vocal cords so you can watch your vocal cords saying, make sure that, you know, both of them are moving at the same pace. And, um, and then you get exercises accordingly from what the doctor sees that your vocal cords are doing. I think I'm starting to embark more on um, exercises now to keep my vocal cords. And then I actually just took up free diving for a breath capacity uh, perspective. So really learning to expand my lung capacity at depth and um, you do a lot of breathing exercises. So that way I can hold notes, push air um, in the way that I need to get the sounds that I want. All right, Lillian. So can you tell me what initially drew you to music? Well, I started singing. So I grew up um, in the church and, um, or, you know, a church, and I sang in the choir quite a bit and I uh, started playing piano when I was six years old. Um, and I mostly just wanted to sing, um, but it took me a long time. I never wrote music on piano to sing to. I've only written maybe one song, never played it live. Yeah, it took me until 2019 or 2009 when I was actually living with Griffith James and some of the folks from Heavy Diamond Ring, um, well, I wasn't living with the Paper Birdies at the time, but those were all my friends in college. And then I was like, wait, I'm going to buy a guitar. I feel like that's the, I want to sing. I know that I can sing. Um, and a guitar is much more portable than the piano that we have sitting behind us. So I started teaching myself guitar. And shortly thereafter, um, I think just having a new instrument allowed my brain to release classical training and release things that I think we're inhibiting my songwriting. The songs just started pouring out from 2009 on. Yeah, that was in Portland. So that's really where I kicked off my music career and playing solo and, um, and then kept going from there. Oh, interesting. Do you have any early memory of music that has stuck with you? Yes, I probably piano lessons. Um, my piano teacher, Kathy Murray, was uh, very patient with me. I'm quite a rebel and anti-authority, so her making me practice or learning theory was not going to happen. Um, so I just have memories of getting so angry at the piano and pounding on the keys and wanting to quit. And then my mom would never let me quit. She's like, someday you're going to be grateful that you can still read music. And I am grateful that she made me play. I ended up playing and taking lessons until I was 18. Um, it was hard to balance because I played a lot of sports, but um, I think that foundation, even though I never learned music theory, most of the time when I'm playing guitar, I have no clue what chords I'm playing. Um, I just like the sound and then I figure out a melody and then let the words come. It's the same with piano. I mean, I can play a lot of piano music and if someone asked me to jam on the piano, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where the C is, where an F sharp is. I'd have to really, really think about it. So You let your heart do what you gotta do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One of my personal favorite songs of yours is Razor's Edge. Mm -hmm. And I really want to know about the conception of that song and what inspired you and how you wrote lyrics for that. So that was a Portland song. Um, when I was... Yeah, this new record has quite a few songs that I'd never brought out um, to the public. So I wrote that probably in 2009 or 2011. I was a social worker at the time, um, an alcohol and drug counselor, and I was working with um, quite, a, quite a few schizophrenics, a lot of schizophrenics in that population. And um, I really started learning about mental health and um, kind of how much of what I call that razor's edge of what it takes for someone to tip over into not swimming um, versus treading water. 
Um, so at that time, I was studying a lot of different um, opinions on what what schizophrenia is or altered states um, or different mental ca uh, capabilities. And uh, there was a, a metaphor that uh, the mystic is swimming in the same water that the psych person experiencing psychosis is, but individuals that are experiencing psychosis are drowning. They don't have the skill set to keep their head above the water with some of the experiences they may be encountering. And so that song really came out of social work, of really my, um, my thoughts, my own feelings about my own mental health. Um, and I really wanted to bring it to life on this new record, considering everything we were going through with COVID. And it felt like a really important message for people to remember that it only takes a few skills to learn to tread water. And sometimes we drown for a bit and we find the skills that bring us back up to the surface. And so that's kind of my um, image for mental health, if you will, is balancing that razor's edge and um, and just a different take on, I, I'm, I don't like to, mental health is, a, is, I'm glad, a new topic that's really being talked about since, especially since COVID. And I'm glad to hear that people are realizing that they're different mental capabilities um, instead of mental illnesses. Would you say that mental illness or mental health, for that matter, inspires a lot of your writing? It does, yeah. I, uh, I've always wanted to write a book, and it would definitely be in the self-help categories. I'm, I've always been drawn to psychology. Um, I've studied a lot of that in my life, and um, a lot of the songs kind of stem from that work of um, learning to listen. And a lot, of songs, a lot of my songs stem from sad moments that, um, that I've gone through and then made it out on the other side. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's definitely a running theme. I still haven't written a book, but it's in the process. <laughs> so I've got albums instead of books at this point. Yeah. That's great. So your song, your songwriting process is generally from experience, but would you, would you describe that for our audience? Sure, yeah. Um, most of the time, like I have a song called Shark Tamer and I vividly remember the moment when I wrote that. I was just drawing kind of a tornado and I was going through a really rough moment with my mom at the time in 2009. And um, I remember drawing and seeing the image of me being at the bottom of a whirlpool, but uh, shadows of sharks around me. And that's when I came up with the song Shark Tamer that was just, I started playing before I knew how to finger pick on the guitar and I heard a melody and realized I... Um, there's a song there and I want to talk about what it means to be in deep waters and sharks are around you and what would it look like to tame them or to, I think now that I'm older, I don't think I'd tame sharks. I would just learn to swim with them, um, which is what I'm doing with freediving. But yeah, it's oftentimes images. Um, the process is usually me just messing around with the guitar and then a melody comes. Um, and sometimes songs hit lightning quick and sometimes they don't. But Oftentimes, I and I think a lot of songwriters um, might say this, that I don't really feel like I own the music when it comes through. And songs like Razor's Edge or a lot of the songs that I put on Chasing Shadows, my latest album, um, they, they were very prophetic. Like, I, I'm, my songs are bigger than me. They're what I aspire to be in the world. And oftentimes I, like, in my saddest moments or happiest moments, I listen to them. I'm like, I don't know how I wrote that. Like, I don't know who wrote that. I don't know where any of the wisdom came from, where I, it's like they're bigger shoes than me and I'm still learning to grow into them. 
Um, so selfishly, it's music for me and my own growth um, that feels right to put out into the world. But I'm not as good as my songs. I'm still I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's really profound. Uh, would you say that the muse kind of comes to you or that you show up for the muse? That's a great question. A little bit of both. Even when I try to put myself in a bit of a meditative state to let music come, I haven't written a new song since Hollow Bone, and that was August of last year. So there's these periods of like waves in the ocean where I don't know what to say right now. I think I've, I'm going through a lot personally, and um, yeah, I lost my dad in December, and I, I don't really have the words yet for what that experience is, but I'm I'm feeling the songs coming again. Like I just started playing guitar the other night and the melody started coming, so I started recording it. So I think the new album is on its way. Um, so I'm trying to make myself more available. But right now I just, I still don't have the words for what I'm experiencing. Sometimes it comes and sometimes it's just fallow and um, silent. And I think I've been in a silent period for, for a minute. I think that's a really common thing to experience. Um, I also wanted to ask, which of your existing lyrics is your favorite? I really love um, Hollow Bone. I know we played that earlier, but it's really encapsulating, I think. Even though I wrote it a year ago, it's really kind of my anthem right now of learning to be a sovereign woman or learning to, to... And that doesn't mean I'm alone and that I don't rely on other people, but especially now with um, everything that's been happening for women's rights. Um, there's a lot of currents against women in this world, and um, I think that song and those lyrics um, about my own sovereignty of, um, there's a line that says, oh, it's the, it's, the, it's the chorus where I've always been whole, essentially, is what I'm, what I'm conveying there, and instead of the the illusions that we need something to plug us up or someone to fill a hole or a void. I mean, I've got it tattooed on me, sovereignty. <laughs> it's, it's a long many years of working towards uh, being a whole entity um, and then meeting the world and people from that place of wholeness. So you came from Los Angeles to Denver. Why do you think you made that move? Well, I went to CU Boulder um, from 2006 to 2008, which is when I met a lot of my musician friends currently and dear, dear friends. Um, and then I moved around. I, I went from CU to Portland, which is where I started writing music, and then decided to take music to L.A. Um, and I was also doing social work and working in the prison system at that time. And I knew that I wanted to be in California to be working in the California prison system. So I was kind of juggling a lot, music, nannying, prison work. Um, circle work and more songs. A lot of songs came out of LA. And then I'm not one that stays in a city for more than three years. So Denver's definitely had me longer. I've tried to move to London twice now, and it is a very clear no sign. Um, so I think I'm still supposed to be here. And um, it's a wonderful place. It's an amazing home base. But I'm also not really here a lot. I travel quite a bit. If I'm here a week or two out of the month, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> What's one of your favorite places to travel? Well, well I really do love England. Um, I have a lot of ancestry from England. I'm heading back there in two weeks for quite a bit of time. 
But I just went to Tahiti, actually, where I got COVID in May, and I loved it so much, but I wanted a different experience where um, I didn't have COVID. And so I'm going back to free dive with humpback whales and just be in the water. I, I write a lot about water, if you listen to any of my lyrics, and it's because I'm terrified of water. I really don't like it a lot. And Tahiti was just incredible. It's like warm bath water it's see-through there are no waves because of the reef so I feel like spending 10 days swimming in Tahiti with sharks and whales will just continue to help me get comfortable being in water which is a big metaphor for me so um, definitely one of my favorite spots as of right now I've, I've been very lucky and fortunate to travel a lot in my life that's good you know some people don't get to like be out there in the world but it's good whenever you see the world and inspires you a lot more I think yeah absolutely what is the LA music scene like and what makes it different from Denver's um ooh, I the first thing that came to my mind is in LA you pay to play and um I don't miss that it would whenever I'd play it'd be like okay do I have $300 to shell out tonight to bring the band pay the venue it's really tough um from a financial perspective Great artistry there. Um, I know a lot of friends that have moved there recently from Denver to to continue their career. And um, I love L.A. I go probably every month. It really deterred me from playing when I knew that I had to, like, shell out a couple hundred dollars versus at least making a hundred dollars every time I play here. It's like it's better than being 300 in the hole versus like, here's 50 bucks. Like I'd rather take that from a Denver show versus, versus that. But so much creativity in LA. LA really is a special place um, and a huge part of my heart for sure. Since you traveled from a lot of uh, different cities, which of those cities have been your favorite? Denver really is a favorite spot in the United States. I, um, I definitely... Um, I'm not a native. <laughs> I'm one of the intruders. Um, but the wilderness is really important uh, for me to to get lost in the wilderness and to um, learn from nature. So it's it's better than, I mean, I grew up in Phoenix and I love the desert. and but when it's one hundred twenty degrees, you don't really get to be in the wilderness very safely. Um, so, um, it's one of my favorite spots. I don't think I'll live in the United States forever. I think there still is a huge draw for me to to move abroad um, and become fluent in other languages. Um, that's still a goal of mine. But as far as a home base, I'll always have a home base in Denver, for sure. What musical artist inspires you the most? Um, the first, that I get this question a lot, and it's really hard. So some... Sometimes I'll write them down as they come to me, just so I can remember. Radiohead was hugely influencing my, and it still influences my life. And I guess the Beatles too. But none of these people are like vocalists per se, but it's the music that I grew up with. But another person, Jeff Buckley, like when I listen to Jeff Buckley, just his heart and his soul and how he sings. I mean, his, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about Jeff Buckley's vocal um, talent and uh, the talent that he brought to music. Nick Drake as well. I get that a lot. Like, oh, you remind me of a female version of Nick Drake, which is 
a huge compliment for me. Both really tragic in endings of life for both of them. Um, I think they felt a lot, as a lot of artists do. So it goes back to the razor's edge of, I think artists are people that feel a lot and they're trying to retranslate that into the world or at least get it out of themselves. And sometimes, you know, they don't make it. We've lost a lot of artists. What's the age? It's like usually 27 or something is the age where we've lost a lot of artists. And it's tough. The world is tough. Um, and I create too, so I can not have it be stuck in me. Um, but yeah, Nick Drake, Tim Buckley, Tom York, um, and then obviously Ella Fitzgerald and and some of the really old-timey, woof, the soul in those women. Bernice Johnson Reagan, woof. Um, yeah, those are some that are just, ah, honor those people, those ancestors. Do you have a favorite song mm. of any one of theirs? Lilac Wine by Jeff Buckley is so beautiful. I still really want to uh, do a cover of that song. So many Radiohead songs. I think I'm, like, everything in its right place. Anything on Kid A, I... I always go back to where I can, I literally will lay my ear on the speaker and just let it be in my body, all of, all of their music. <laughs> I don't write anything like Radiohead. I don't sound anything like Radiohead, but um, I hope that the emotions of what I play come through and that's what I'm trying to convey. Um, I feel that music and I want people to feel me when I'm playing. On your Spotify, you, you also created playlists mm -hmm. and I looked at some of those playlists because I, I love looking at other people's playlists. It's like my hobby. Um, but I noticed you had some Lord on there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am. I I have so much respect for Lord. Um, I have so much respect for Billie Eilish. Um, Taylor Swift is one that really came in late in the game. Um, I just have like, if anything, I want to lift women up and it's so easy for women to knock other women down. Um, I think we forget that. We think that men are the enemy. I'm like, no, I've had women be way more cruel to me than some men in my life. And um, they're incredible songwriters. They're incredible artists. And I think they create from what is genuinely them. Um, and that really is all that matters to me where I'm like, if that's you and that's what you are channeling, then do it. And I, I get goosebumps when I listen to some of their music. And for me, that's when I feel like someone's in their truth, or at least that's what my perception is. Yeah. Lord's uh, most recent album. Would you say that you took inspiration from that? I think it's been a somewhat controversial release, like in her fan base, if you're in her fan base at all. But what, what's your opinion on that album? Um, you know, I only listen to it. I'm one of those people that I listen from albums from start to finish. And that's how I write most of my albums. But it was different. But it's it's similar to when, you know, artists dog other albums where they're deviating. Like if you think of the Beatles, no Beatles album was the same. And people create from the place that they're in in their lives or I think where they're going. So I don't have any critique of it in a negative sense at all. I think it's just creativity. And again, it goes back to the respect for, she knew she was going to get flack for that, um, for deviating from, from her pop or from kind of what put her on the map. And I mean, I think Billie Eilish is same thing where she's really exploring, you know, and it's, that's a tough world to be in. And Taylor Swift talks about that too in her documentaries. And the world wants to tear you down when you're in the public. That's a really hard seat to take. I just respect that they're still creating and creating from what I think is their truth, uh, even though they're going to get knocked down. There's a theory with crabs that when you're crab fishing, you don't actually need to put uh, a lid on top of the crabs because crabs will just pull each other down. 
Um, so as one starts to escape, they just pull each other down. And I always think of that metaphor. I haven't written a song about it, but it's been one of those things that I'd like to figure out how to weave into a lyric where, why are we so busy pulling the person that's getting free when we could watch them and see how they get to the top and get free? And then we can just take the same path, you know? So um, I think I'm always like, I'd rather be like, get free, do whatever you want. I'll see you there. <laughs> what are some advice that you would give you young artists? I think it goes back to that. Get quiet and do what feels good. If it sounds different, um, if it's not anything you've heard before, or it is something you've heard before, but you have a different way of expressing it or saying it, do it anyway. Music has saved my life. I'm, I'm very clear about that. I bow down to it in a way. It's, it's bigger than me and I'm grateful for it. And I think when we approach it with that reverence, um, it gives back. I'd say just keep creating. The world needs more artists and the world needs more people that recognize their own gifts and then bring it to the world. Thank you so much. Um, and before we end, could you tell our listeners where we can find your music? Sure. I'm on all of the good old streaming platforms from Deezer to Spotify to Apple, um, Bandcamp, uh, everywhere online, um, YouTube. And uh, Instagram is Lillian.music, and that's where I'm pretty active about what shows are coming up. Or I do a bit of like songwriting kind of uh, on that as well of, as I'm trying to work through songs just so people can see my process um, or see songs before or poems that turn into songs, you know. So if I write something, I'll say, this is going to be a song. I don't know what it's going to be. Thank you so much for joining us on Underground at the Showcase. It's been such an inspiring conversation. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. You can stream our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Our team includes Lauren Francisco, Sean King, and Akello Stallings. This episode was edited and mixed by Tierney Worthen. Our executive producers are July Jones and David Layden. Additional music for this episode was provided by 88. We want to give a big thanks to Mutiny Information Cafe for hosting us. You can learn more about Mutiny at mutinyinfocafe.com. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm Danny Akery. And I'm Genevieve Glimp, and you are listening to Underground the Showcase. <laughs>